It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus. I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. We are inside the Dempsey. Looks like the coach is elected to come inside with the amount of recruits and coaches they had inside. So probably just to let people know that it's not as miserable inside as outside. But, uh, you know, first day back after spring practice, after having, what was it, three practices, what, two, three weeks ago? Yes. Yeah, yeah the 6th, 8th, and the 10th. Yep. And yep. now today is what, the 31st? Yes, yeah. and they had they had one on they had a practice on the 29th. You know, it's interesting talking to um, you know Eddie and um, Jalen McMillan about coming in with the new coaching staff, new offense, new defense last year, coming in on the ground floor, asking them how high that building is and what floor they're on. But it sure seems like they're a lot more advanced. And we talked about this earlier, just how far more how more advanced they are at this stage of spring than they were a year ago. Well, in my experience, and, and I wouldn't say this is foolproof, but Generally speaking, most of the teams that have been really good teams at Washington, if you go back and look at their spring football, typically the defense has been ahead. And today was another example of where, the, in my opinion, the defense kind of won the day. Yeah, I was talking to Eddie a little bit, you know, about, um, you know, that offense. And he said, you know, the only offense, the only defense that can stop him is us. You know, so I was asking him if he uh, talked any smack to Michael. Because remember when Jake Browning was here, Jake would talk a lot of smack to the defensive guys, especially the corners and the, and the linebackers. Oh, yeah. No, and there were great battles between, you know, you got John Ross and Dante Pettis going up against – you know, God, who I don't, I don't know who Sydney like Sydney Jones Budabaker. and Buda Baker, um, you know, Kevin Byron King. Murphy, Kevin King, guys like that. So those were those were some great matchups. Now you're seeing guys like Adunzi and, and Jalen McMillan going up against, um, you know, new guys, which is kind of interesting. You know, the the Thaddeus Dixons and the Jabbar Muhammad's yeah. and stuff like that. So you're kind of building some new some new rivalries in there. And by the way, uh, Eddie said Mike doesn't talk much mess. He says Mike's just a cool cat. He just kills you, you know. But it's interesting, too, because when we talk about, you know, just them being so far ahead where they were a year ago, those two corners, it, it, does it look like those two are the starters with Dixon and Muhammad? Not necessarily to me because, obviously, um, you know, they're rotating Mish Powell in a little bit. When, when they first brought out the safeties in the first team period I saw today, it was Mikel Esteen and yep. Cam Fab. Yep. And Cam Fab, the first three practices, hadn't played any safety. Um, you know, and they rolled some Tristan Dunn in there, and Dunn had played some Husky in the first three practices. So they, they were moving the DBs around quite a bit. But it was really, really good to see, like, JV on green back in there today because he got dinged up. Uh, Devon Banks is still dinged up. I don't know what's going on with him. Um, but everyone else, like Elijah Jackson right now, to me, Elijah Jackson and Thaddeus Dixon 
probably would be the ones right now. Hey, I don't mean to jump all over the place, so I apologize, but I just wanted to get this in before we forgot about it. But the last practice we were at, uh, Maurice Himes was taken off the field by uh, the first practice. Yeah. His very first practice. Yeah, and he, uh, you saw him walk back in today. I saw him jog back in today. He's fine. He, he's fine. He he wasn't wearing. He he was wearing a jersey. He had a yellow top, which means non-contact. But he wasn't wearing any pads. He wasn't. He clearly was either doing conditioning or was on bikes or stuff like that. And there were a couple guys that got dinged up today, like Jalen McMillan got a little banged up, got retaped. Jack Westover, same thing. But they didn't really do. Uh, once they got a little nicked up, they didn't do any team periods. But it wasn't any. It wasn't football anything Knicks. at all. Football yeah. next. Football yeah. practice next. I mean, it, let's put it this way: Jalen McMillan talked with us after practice. If he was significantly injured, they wouldn't obviously allow allow him to talk. Yeah, I just wanted to bring up the Himes thing because it was pretty scary when he went out. Uh, you know, a few weeks ago, and so it's good to see him back. Yeah, very very scary. And you know, even though it was full pads today, you know, you see guys like MJ Ali go to the ground, and it's like reminiscence, like. I remember when he got hurt, you know, in camp and, and got banged up. Was it last year, two years ago? And, um, and that, you know, so you just get a little scared every once in a while because these guys put on full pads. And they, sometimes it takes them a practice or two to kind of remember how to practice full pads without taking out their teammates. You know, Scott, I want you to talk a little bit about the linebackers. You know, you've got Eddie Ulafosio out there. You've got uh, um, Tupatala out there. You've got Pallor out there. No. But... Uh, Bruner, excuse me, Bruner. Um, and, but Goforth looks like a dude. He absolutely does, and he's running with the twos. So that should tell you where, where things are at the linebacker spot. I, I really like what I saw from the linebackers today. I thought Eddie had a really good practice. Alfonso Tupatala is just that steady guy, and he's always going to be in there. He's at the mic, and then you have Goforth and Bruner. And Bruner's yeah. now out of yellow, so yeah. it looks like he's got full contact. He can go. Yeah, so it looks like at mic you have Alfonso Tupatala and Carson Bruner at number two at the mic, and then at the at the um, Will linebacker spot you have Eddie with the ones and go forth with the twos. I'm sure that's going to interchange quite a bit during the season, but that's kind of what you're looking at right And there. as we were finishing things up here and doing interviews and whatnot, go forth was still working with one of the coaches and doing some things on the side. He was the very last guy to leave. So he, he clearly spies an opportunity. Well, not just that. He was running gassers yeah. afterwards, and some of the other guys were running them with him, but he was the one doing it himself. By the way, um, Jeremy Bernard, I think, is the one that fumbled. Remember, we didn't know who fumbled because he was the one crawling with the balls in his hand. So, well, I just think that the linebacker, the rotation on that, it's going to be real interesting to follow between now and the beginning of the season to see how that plays out because they've got some guys there where it, it's you know maybe was a weakness last year, but it looks like they've got some talent and depth there this year. Yeah, no, I don't think there's any question compared to last year, especially when you've got like Cam Bright and Chris Mole graduating. You're bringing in Go Forth, who played in a Pac-12 program, so you would anticipate his. Uh, ramp up would be a lot quicker than maybe some other guys coming from other parts of the country. And the two, the true freshmen, we haven't really talked about too much today, but uh, I really thought uh, pretty highly of Devin Bryant coming out of those first three practices. I thought he showed a lot. I just was kind of – I was surprised, guys, and I don't know if you guys were surprised, but I was surprised that the hitting and whatnot just was not there this first full pads practice compared to – the last practice before spring break where they had they had shoulder pads but they didn't have full pads those guys were hitting the crap out of each other on that practice this practice was a lot more thud tempo and i think in talking with kaylin DeBoer, we talked a bunch with him on pro day and we asked him about that last practice because i think he almost i think he kind of cut that short 
because of some of the fights and stuff that were going on. And he said, we wanted to use that as a learning opportunity to show these guys that we have to keep everybody upright. We got to keep them healthy. We got to keep everybody, you know, together on this thing. And I think you kind of saw the results of that a little bit. I didn't, I was not, I was expecting more hitting, frankly. Yeah. Um, there was a, well, no second day back, but you know, first day in full pads back. And, um, I thought, you know, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I thought, um, there was enough hitting going on, but not not as much as maybe we're used to at full pass. Yeah, I mean, let's put it this way. I, they weren't avoiding contact, yeah. but they weren't necessarily, they weren't finding contact either, which is sometimes what these guys are trying to do to kind of establish their authority or make a statement or do something. Yeah, what's, what's interesting is they're returning so many guys on the defense last year, and, you know, college football's changed from the day, and I know a lot of the old-timers, you know, um, like that defensive strategy, but, you know, college football anymore isn't about stopping your opponents. It's about outscoring your opponents with everything geared towards defense. But last year they did have some defensive struggles, which you're going to have. You know, they, they weren't as bad as a lot of people think, but do they have the personnel in the scheme right now, Scott, to make a dramatic improvement on the defensive side of the ball? Well, you would you would have to think think that in the second year in a system they're going to take a jump um and down at fresno state they had a five points per game jump or decrease in um in allowing they went from 25 to 20 i think or something like 27 to 22 something like that and if washington can have that they're going to win they're probably going to win if not all their games they'll win all but one game you know if they can decrease decrease that a little bit you heard it here first yeah but um scott Eklund, yeah, everybody yeah but um you know i like where the defense is at i think they're playing aggressive um the confidence in the secondary i heard uh jv on green talking to taj davis a little bit he goes we're on it today guy you're not getting any balls is well, what he said the so. one thing that i really noticed and, and i don't know how much you guys follow this but some of these drills where they're doing the team drills on either side, offense and defense. The defensive drill that I really like the most right now that I'm seeing, and I'm trying to see how they react, is they're trying to ramp up the tempo such that they can handle it where they're literally going play to play within like 10 seconds, and they're trying to get lined up, they're trying to get organized, and they're trying to get the communication on point. And you can see Chuck Morrell in the back screaming at guys like he he went after Tristan Dunn on one because he, Tristan Dunn was at the line of scrimmage he needed to be back mm-hmm. and he he obviously was not on the same page with the rest of the defense and it's just interesting mm-hmm. to see them in the you know right now would be the fifth practice of spring football and these guys are honing in on details that you might think would be something that they would be working on more on with the beginning of fall camp for instance and I think that goes to your point Kim that how much further ahead they already are. Yeah. Um, moving over on to the offensive side of the ball, they added a new guy, and he looks like a dude. Number seven, Scott. Yeah, Dylan Johnson, man. Um, talked to him actually off to the side for a little bit. It was all we weren't really allowed to talk to them, but I uh, just asked him how how he's enjoying it, and he said, "Man, it's it's so great up here. I love it. I'm excited to be here." And we'll talk to him soon about things, but um, you can tell he's having fun and getting out there. This is the look test. Oh, he absolutely does. Um, number seven, uh, he's number seven on the on the roster and, and uh, had a couple of uh, stiff arms on one play. Um, one was where he got introduced to Jabbar Muhammad, uh, stiff-armed um, Dominic Hampton in the hole, and then got outside and stiff-armed Jabbar Muhammad, and they were kind of talking some stuff to each other on the sidelines. But, uh, no, he looks like a guy. 
Yeah. And Chris, I think the thing that both you and I are really excited to see from Dylan Johnson, uh, I think one of the main reasons they uh, really liked him was his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. We haven't seen that. I don't know. I didn't see much of it, if any, at all today, but that's what I'm looking forward to seeing with him. Yeah, they did some work with some swing passes and passes in the flat, and he looked like a guy who's comfortable catching the ball out of the backfield. I mean, most all those guys do, honestly. Um, you know, physically, he's kind of a blend of Richard Newton and Sam Adams. He's a little rangier, kind of like Sam Adams, but he he's about the same size as Newton. So it's it's interesting. He's he's a good blend physically. You can clearly see what they like about him because he moves really really well. He's fluid. He's good with his hands. We saw some of that. It was interesting. They did a lot of pass pro stuff today, a lot of stuff with the bags and whatnot. And I put some videos up on the on the um, on the on the practice thread. You can see his, that's not really his forte. You know, as a feature back, his job is to go out in the backfield or to go out into a route or run the ball. He's going to obviously be asked to do some pass pro in this offense considering how much they throw the ball here. Now, you would think in Mississippi State, considering how much they throw the ball in the, in the uh, air raid offense, uh, you know, they'd expect, okay, well, they throw the ball a lot too. But in the air raid concepts, it's so much quicker. There's, there's really, I mean, you're going to mix in some deeper stuff, but the pass pro at Mississippi State, I guarantee you, is a lot different than what Ryan Grubb is going to be asking Dylan Johnson to do here. Yeah, I think we're also getting a little spoiled with this offense. You know, Michael Penix doing Michael Penix things, and, you know, Rome and um, Jalen and then uh, Jalen Polk and, you know, add uh, Jeremy Bernard to the to the mix, and they all look great, but it's they, they look great every practice. We're getting a little spoiled, guys. Um, I don't know. I mean, I thought today, uh, I thought Jalen Polk really looked the best out of all of them. Again, McMillan was a little limited because he, he dinged himself up and, and didn't really do much at the second back, end, uh, back half of practice. Rome's going to look like Rome. Um, but I really thought that, uh, that Jalen Polk, there were, you know, he caught the only bomb that I really saw from Penix today. And then there was one play out in the flat where it looked like Jamar Muhammad was acting like he had Penix dead to rights. He was going to catch the ball. And Polk came out and just snagged it right in front of him. Just snagged it right in front of him and then cut right upfield. It was a very, it was a really pretty play. So I'll give credit to Jalen Polk. Give credit to all the receivers in general. But I still thought, generally speaking, the, the DBs had a better day than the receivers. And Scott, talk about the offensive line. They lost guys, and there's replacements in there. There's talent. But, uh, you know, talk to me about that offensive line, the replacements. It's kind of hard with what we see to get a gauge on it. But just what did you see from the O-line? There were a couple. So the – you know, they've got both bookend tackles. They've got Roger Rosengarten and Troy Fautano at right and left tackle right now. So um, they're they're pretty much set at tackle. It's the interior that's that's going to be the battlegrounds. And it sounds like Mateo Mele is pretty much the guy at center. So it's really down to Julius Bulow, Nate Kleppo, Garen Hatchett, Guard Memelar, maybe one other guy thrown in there, maybe Miles Morale thrown in there also um, battling for those jobs. And right now it looks like uh, Kleppo and Bulow are going to be the guys. They've, they've been the ones who've run with the ones almost all of spring camp and um, you know, I mean, it, uh, part of it's just going to be about finding that consistency because Kalebo can get it done, and he got start, he's, he's got three starts under his belt, but he also you know gave way to seniors last year in Henry Bainavalu and uh, Jackson Kirkland. So now it's his turn to shine, and he he's got the the ability to do it. We just need to see it. Um, as far as Bulo, I remember talking to him in the, after the first week of practice and asking him about 
what it was like having to take a step back and not be a starter anymore in, in 2021. And he said that was really humbling because I've never not had success on the football field. And when he got taken back, he just said, I, I had to learn. I had to humble myself. I had to get back to work and go do what I needed to do. And uh, now is my opportunity, and I'm not going to let this one pass me by. Yeah, with Kalepo and um, Bulo, uh, what, 6'7", six, 6'8", six, on those guys? Well, Bulo is 6'8". Uh, uh, Nate is probably 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. Yeah, no, what's really interesting, because I remember them coming in as freshmen and looking like freshmen. They had the baby face. They had, you know, the, the baby fat on them, and they were just happy kids. But, you know, they've changed quite a bit. Their bodies have really firmed up. Uh, Julius Bulo is just huge. And, you know, uh, when they were out on the football field as freshmen, they were a little deer in the headlights. But those guys out there, those are grown men out there right now. They've got the that toughness thing going. They're competing for spots. So, um, you know, it's really interesting, as big as they are, are their inside guys are bigger than their outside guys aren't they well you could say a little bit about that last year too with jackson kirkland playing a left guard and, and troy Fautana playing a left tackle and so that's not follow yeah so that's not necessarily unusual for this group now one thing i will say kim you mentioned the baby face landon hatchet man scott huff wasted no time throwing him right in the mix <laughs> i mean he was working with some with the twos in the team periods probably is the number three guy for spring behind um mateo Mele and parker brailsford um I think Scott's right. We were talking a little bit about this. If this was a game today and Mateo Mele had to go out, I think the backup center probably would be Hatchet, but it would be Gear and Hatchet. Yeah. It wouldn't be Landon. Yeah. And so, but, but Landon got thrown right in, and I think that's a product of him, all the mental stuff that he did the first three practices that he was here at the beginning of March. Now he just had to go do it on the field, and clearly that's going to take some time to get used to. But at least I'm sure he probably didn't go, oh, this is totally unfamiliar. He just didn't necessarily know the muscle memory part. He knows the part upstairs. Now he just has to perfect it on the field. Yeah, Scott, when we first saw Landon Hatchett, you know, I didn't think he'd be as good a prospect as Garen, his brother. But uh, do you think that Garen, do you think Landon's going to wind up being the better prospect than his older brother? I think it's too early to say. Um, the thing with Garen is because of his length and his athleticism, not that not that uh, Landon isn't athletic, but with his length and athleticism and, and his build and everything, he's got the higher upside, but does he realize it? Garen's, Garen's bigger, right? He's bigger. He's longer. He's all that. <clears throat> Whereas Landon, I'm not saying he's completely maxed out, but, man, I don't know how much more size you can put on that frame that he has because he's only about 6'3". I say only, but he's like 6'3". I don't know what 280, 285, somewhere in that range, whatever. Yeah, it I don't was. know what he's listed well, as. Yeah. His bulk is on top. Yeah, he's got a lot of upper body strength and stuff like that, but he's a more technically advanced guy at this same stage in their development than Garen was. So, you know, you got one with a higher upside, but one who's more ready, college ready. What was interesting is we talked to Javon Parker for the first time, and he had a lot of great stuff. It was a really good interview, but one of the questions that was asking me goes, are, you know, now that you and, and your brother are out on the field and you're, you're looking at the hatchets on the other side, are you seeing it's almost like a Hatfields, Hatfields and McCoys between the Parkers and the hatchets here pretty soon. It's going to be a pretty, uh, pretty interesting battle of, of the brothers because you got the twins on the defensive side and you got the brothers on the offensive side. Another legacy coming in uh, with uh, Ryan Ott and uh, Ryan uh, start to flash a little bit and it looks like he still needs to add some strength. I'm not sure how much he missed with his mother passing, but uh, you know he's showing some nice hands out there and doing some nice things. I think he just gets needs to get a little bit stronger. Yeah, he does, and I mean he's definitely behind 
Quentin, uh, Quentin Moore, um, Devin, uh, Devin Culp, and Jack Westover. Um, he's not even close to those guys. It's those three and then the rest, right, at this point. Um, well, and, and Josh Cuevas to a little bit of yeah, an extent. Yeah, yeah, and Josh Cuevas is going to be a little more advanced, but he's going to be a different tight end than Ryan Otten will be. So um, I, I think I agree, Kim. I mean, he's got all the tools, just has to get that size on. Devin Culp, you think at the end of the year he's a uh, all-conference candidate? Uh, there's nothing stopping him from becoming one. I mean, Ryan Grubb. Ryan Grubb uses the tight end in such a way that they can become a featured part of this offense. And, you know, whether it's blocking, whether it's uh, running with the ball after the catch, whether it's getting downfield, I think he's he's got every opportunity to be like a Drew Sample, Will Disley type. Now, does that mean that translates into all Pac-12? I mean, I don't know. I mean, it just all depends. But I don't see a lot of pack, I don't see a lot of tight ends in the Pac-12 that are huge competition for him right now. My biggest question with him is: Is he's going to get the amount of stats? That's what people look at when you're talking about tight ends. You know, are what, what kind of what numbers? Off, what play? offense in the Pac-12 is going to give you monster stats as a tight well, end? Utah. I, I mean, Utah. Yeah. Well, I mean, right, but but, and but Oregon State. But now Utah, if I remember correctly, the. I don't, what was the name? It's not well. Keithy's one guy's gone. No, for I know sure. who the one. The, the other guy's yeah. gone as well. Yeah. So Dalton, I, Dalton Kincaid. Dalton Kincaid. Yeah. yeah. But I know that they they grow them like they're on trees down there, and so they'll have another yeah. guy come through the pipe. But yeah, other than Utah, is there another program like Washington that can produce a tight end that can have maybe 500 yards or 600 Oregon. yards of pass? Oregon State. Sorry, Oregon State. They've, yeah. Yeah. Musgraves. They've got that. Yeah, but Musgrave's gone. Yeah, but you know, I'm just saying that you know that they've put them. They've, uh, they've got a lot of tight ends. Yeah, they use their tight ends. But uh, the other thing I just want to mention real quick um, was I was talking to Devin a little bit, and um, he talked about when he was a freshman and they threw him in to play defensive line, and he goes in and they're playing Wenatchee, and he he says I was 180 pounds as a freshman. And I go in there, Trey Adams, is who he had to go up against. He said he was so scared, but it was kind of those, those are the kind of stories that are really, really funny. Well, yeah, with the in-state guys for sure. I mean, and, and hopefully we get a chance to see those nowadays. But like I said, the, the Parkers and the Hatchets could be an interesting battle for years to come. Um, I know talking to Javon, he's so thankful that his brother's getting a chance to play out there because he said it was a struggle for his brother to to stay engaged and stay involved in it while he was having to rehab the injury. And he had to kind of keep his brother going a little bit because, you know, they're away from home and all those things. But they talked about how his family, their family uh, came and actually hung out with him the first month of school with those games that were being played, those first three or four games. And he said that made all the difference in the world for them. That really helped them quite a bit. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Deucible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. 
Coaches Clinic tomorrow. A lot of coaches here, some recruits. Keith Hayward was here again. He's working with the staff a little bit for a couple of days, and this is his last day here. And then he's heading down to Miami to work with the Dolphins a little bit. So good to see Keith Hayward here. And then, uh, Scott, if you could talk about maybe a few of the coaches and some of the recruits that were here today. I don't know all the coaches that were here because there were a lot of out-of-state guys, but the recruits that were here were Isaiah Garcia, one of their top uh, offensive line targets. Marquise uh, uh, Thorpe Taylor was another one who was here. That He's uh, out of Mount Tahoma. He's a 2024 offensive lineman with an offense, uh, offer from Washington, uh, in-state guy. Um, so those two guys were here. Uh, you also had Michael Boganowski, a linebacker prospect from, I think, Arizona. I'm drawing a blank on that one, but I think it's Arizona. And then uh, they had two wide receivers from California, and Xavier Jordan and uh, uh, Quasi Gilmer. Those were, those, were, those were kind of the big names that, that were here. There were some other guys that were on campus. There's a future possible walk-on that I'm kind of digging up, um, but he, that was a walk-on guy. There was another kid out of Sierra Canyon, uh, last name is Cook. Uh, sorry, uh, Brooks. Uh, Eugene Brooks. That's right, out of Sierra Canyon. Offensive lineman, six five three thirty. So big guy. Does not have an offer from Washington yet. But those were those were just a few of the guys. I saw a few more, um, and I they had a bunch that they announced out there. Um, Chris, you made a note of it in the in the text thread or the uh, post thread about. Um, practice and everything like that about how they introduced all the players and everything like that and it was fun to see the players kind of get on guys if they weren't loud enough telling telling them who they were and everything like that so that was kind of fun well and plus when when Inge, uh, coach Inge was up with his guys you could tell there was a different level like when coach Shepard was there with his guys there was a different level so you've got the certain coaches with their certain guys and they get them pumped up but then when you get the guys that already have a reputation for, for being incredibly energetic and just being fired up the entire time, they, they take the thing to a whole different level. Yeah. So it was, again, like I posted on the thread, it's kind of like watching the sausage being made. You don't get an opportunity to get to see some of those things from the inside very often. And so that was kind of cool to see, uh, to see the team kind of get fired up for the guys that could potentially be Huskies down the road. Practice tomorrow, coaches clinic not open the next, op- Saturday, excuse me. No, it's not open for us. Oh, no practice. It's just coaches clinic. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Monday practice. We'll be here on Monday. And then Friday again is the next Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So um, we can be here for the first 30 minutes or so of the Wednesday and Friday practice. Right. To do some video and do take pictures and whatnot. But it's only um, Mondays from now on that are going to be open open to the public or not open to the public. Excuse me. Take that back. Open to the media. And so, and then obviously spring game on the 22nd. Yeah. All right. Final thoughts. Wrap it up, Scott Eklund. Uh, well, as Chris po- posted in the in the uh, practice thread, uh, thought the defense won the day. Although the offense did flash a couple plays. Um, that nice throw from Penix to Polk for the touchdown. Uh, Nagata had a nice run up the middle for a touchdown. A couple nice throws by Dylan Morris as well. But for the most part, I thought the defense won the day. Um, excited to see them in full pads. I think they were kind of enjoying getting out there and um, looking forward to seeing more of Dylan Johnson. Uh, Alinius Davis and Caleb Presley were here, but neither of them were dressed out. They were. They were. I thought Presley was dressed out. Oh, was he? I, th- okay. I thought I saw him. Davis yeah. was not. He was no. just in a. He was just in a t-shirt and shorts, and he was covered in sweat. So he was doing off-field. Off, uh, off work and everything like that so um but uh, just interested to see what those guys look like eventually chris fetters wrap it up yeah so it was it was fun to see guys like dylan johnson presley out there um 
you know, Alex Johnson, the, the quarterback, uh, he was out there as well. So it was good to see five quarterbacks out there. Uh, it feels like they've, they've got a full contingent of guys now. Um, again, like I said earlier, I was a little surprised that I didn't see as much hitting as they did, but I think they did take that, that talk by Coach DeBoer to heart before spring, uh, before spring break. And uh, so they kind of got after it. The one thing that was really nice to see was so many guys that were in yellow or a little banged up earlier in camp come out and play. Um, the only guys, again, that I saw that were really in yellow, like Voitanufi, Devon Banks, um, guys like that. And then obviously seeing, uh, as we talked about, Maurice Himes, that was fantastic. Um, hopefully that means maybe even uh, – I, I would expect that they're going to still probably keep him under wraps for the rest of spring. But I would think that that bodes really, really well for him for the beginning of fall camp at the very worst. So, again, good to see these guys get a run out. I think they learned from that padded practice before spring uh, break kind of how to do things. And so they were a little bit more kind of in control, I would say, for this particular full pads practice. And it was fun to see them kind of get after a little bit. Yeah, um, just We'll be covering practice wall-to-wall like nobody else does, so just keep it tuned in right here at dogman.com as well as also you know, keep your eye on the, um, on the basketball board, on the hoops board, the transfer portal thread. I know the coaches are out talking to guys, so um, you know, we'll have all the information on the hoops board, on the premium hardcore hoops board, so uh, keep an eye on that. I know that they're uh, talking to a couple of guards. They got a big. There's some stuff going on uh, underneath the surface, so stay tuned, and we'll post those updates on the hoops board so for all of us at dogman.com and by the way what's the weather today probably mid 40s and kind of misty out there today uh, i wouldn't know we were inside yeah so anyways for all of us at dogman.com i'm kim grinnells along with chris fetters scott eklund and shout out to our intern josh watka who had to leave go dogs playing a little Walking wounded, man. We're all we're all a little walking wounded. Yeah, not at this me. Point. Not me. So. Well, he just got back from Arizona State. So, Cam, close it out. There we go. <laughs> go dogs. <laughs> You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. 